Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In Nitro, West Virginia, this is Unreasonable Doubt. It's a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. I'm Josh Witt. This is West Virginia's 10th game of the season. It was against UMass, and they lost. And West Virginia is now 4-6. and six. And I had to look. I'm 43 years old. This is the worst record for a WVU men's basketball team after 10 games. In my lifetime, handful of times in the last 43 years, West Virginia has been four and five going into that 10th game. And every time leading up to today, West Virginia won that game to go even five and five. Were those times that they were five and five were those good seasons? They were not. This season does seem different given the circumstances, but West Virginia lost to UMass. They're now four and six. They lost by eight. And that feels about right. It was nice to see Marcus Camby in the crowd. It was nice to see West Virginia score 50 in a, in a half. The second half West Virginia scored 50. This team has had a hard time breaking 60 in 40 minutes. So to see them get 50 in 20 minutes, that's a pleasant surprise. And we'll get it where we can get it. And let's be very clear. Watching a team lose that can score the basketball, it's way better than losing and you can't score the basketball. Just from an aesthetic point of view, and that first half was rough, but a 50-point second half, And flashes of it in the first half, it's just way better to watch. Even if the other team scores more points, a viewing experience, it's just better than having an anemic offense. And the offense was not anemic tonight. There were rough patches, but it was not anemic. But we'll get back to the game because what a week of things not happening on a basketball court. A lot has transpired since the Drexel game. And the chain of events actually started before the Drexel game. Two Thursdays ago, multiple states filed a lawsuit against the NCAA regarding their second-time transfer rule. Of course, for WVU, it's centered around Raekwon Battle. This applies to Noah Farrakhan, but he wasn't really fighting the rule. He kind of came here knowing he was going to have to sit out this season. Guys from across the country are in the same spot as Battle, where it's their second time transferring. They've applied for a waiver. That waiver was denied. 
I don't know how many got to the appeal stage, but the appeal was denied. Some of these waivers have went through. Some haven't. And so multiple states' attorney generals got together, filed the lawsuit against the NCAA. The next day, Raekwon Battle did his own lawsuit, filing it against the NCAA regarding his eligibility status. So Drexel win. And then three days ago, the hearing took place in Wheeling in a federal court. Raekwon Battle and other guys affected by this spoke at that hearing. That happened in the morning. And in the afternoon, the federal judge, now we're getting into legal talk, which is I'm not equipped to talk about this, but I'm just reading from how people have reported this. The federal judge said, hey. For 14 days, we're doing a temporary restraining order. We're lifting the restriction for second or more time transfers. And on top of that, the judge said, if I if I come with my decision and say that the NCAA is fine doing it this way, the NCAA can't come back and punish the player or the school for playing guys in this 14-day window. Big news. Lots of guys infected, including selfishly Raekwon Battle, Noah Farrakhan. On top of that, so the judge says, you're good for two weeks, and whatever you do, the NCAA can't come back to get you if I end up deciding later on that the NCAA is cool doing what they've been doing. So that's a win. And then on top of that, a quote later in the day from an unnamed NCAA spokesperson who said that, confirmed that the guys who played during this 14-day period wouldn't burn their eligibility, right? So the judge only ruled on, hey, restraining order against guys who have to sit, who's been multi-time transfers. But the NCAA, but it didn't apply to if they play, does that mean that they burn a year of eligibility? But the spokesperson said, no, you won't burn one year of eligibility. And so that means Raekwon and Noah eligible to play at least three games. It was a three-game window at the time. But that's more than zero. West Virginia didn't come out and say, hey, they're going to play on Wednesday. But you did have somebody, I think a UNLV guy who played at Oklahoma State, one of the Boone twins, who played, who was sitting out and then came uh, to play. So he already rolled the dice (laughs) on eligibility. Then, of course, on Thursday, the NCAA puts it on paper, and it's guess what? They say the opposite of what that spokesperson said. And said, you know what? If we get this reversed and somebody plays in this 14-day window, goodbye your year of of eligibility. So in that scenario, if Raekwon and Noah played three games and then the rule was overturned, then Raekwon plays three games in his final season of eligibility and he's done. Noah burns a season and he's got one season of eligibility left. And so Josh Eilert in his press conference on Wednesday or Thursday was like, we got to be careful here. We're going to talk to the student athletes. No decisions have been made, right? 
So, of course, <laughs> of course, what a loser move by the NCAA. Time and time again, the NCAA, it's, it's like, what in, what is the thing that we can do that makes us look the worst? And once we figure that out, not only will we consider it, let's run with it. Let's just embrace it. How they handled NIL, how they handle almost anything in this, in this vein, they do the worst thing time and time again. And it's always shocking. Like, I can't believe that they're doing it. And guess what? The state's attorney general's not thrilled by what the NCAA put on paper. So they follow up with the court on Friday. And by after business hours on Friday, it results in an agreement between the states and the NCAA to turn the 14-day restraining order into a temporary injunction. I don't know what these words mean, other than the guys are good for the rest of the season. Everybody affected by this rule is allowed to play the rest of the spring semester, regardless of what the end result is going to be. So even if it ends up going in NCAA's favor, everybody's good for the rest of the year. And even before that news, WVU had already announced that Raekwon and Noah, after lots of careful consideration, they're going to they're gonna roll the dice. They're playing this year. They missed nine games. They're going to play at least three before that was decided late Friday evening. But now they're in. So that's awesome. And, you know, Raekwon battle – it seems like from Coach Eilert that this is a guy that did not want to <laughs> seek legal action, but he paved the way here for multiple guys to, to get eligibility. The NCAA, regardless of how you feel about this, the NCAA made a path for this waiver process Raekwon Battle felt like he met the requirements. He gets denied. Other guys went through that same path. I don't know if we still get here if the NCAA doesn't grant a, like a waiver process. You got to be, I think it's a one way or the other. You got to either say every year somebody can transfer and it doesn't matter how many times, or you have to sit a year and it doesn't matter what your situation is. And that probably still goes to court at some time, but this kind of in the middle is how we get to the court quicker. Salute the Raekwon battle for being the guy. He had to put his name on it. Didn't seem like it was something that he, who would be excited about that? But battle did it. And I think it's ultimately a good thing for the student athletes. And even Eilert in the press conference, you know, coaches don't have to sit out a season before they coach their next year. These guys have an opportunity to make NIL money sitting out a year. You know, <laughs> does this lead to guys changing schools from one semester to the next, like play the fall semester, get discouraged, and then transfer to go to another school and try to play in the same season? You could, I don't know, that doesn't, that doesn't feel great, 
but the every year reassessing and then doing that, like it seems like that is fair to me. And now we're here. And that gets us to today. And think about it. Not only just a lot has happened in a week, but 10 days ago, West Virginia had eight scholarship guys available. Then a cook is deemed eligible to play. Then Kerr suspension is done. And then Noah and Raekwon have eligibility. And you get like a 50% bump in your scholarship players. You go from 8 to 12. In 10 days, Kerr's back, Raekwon's back, Noah's back. I'm saying back. They haven't played. <laughs> those three guys haven't played an official game for WVU. Technically, Kerr is back because I saw him play in the exhibition game. But I'm just using it like they're back or they're here. You know what I mean? And it leads to all these questions. Like, it's been a rough start to the season, but these guys haven't played. Now who's going to start? How's the rotation going to change? Is this completely a new team? What does Eiler do with this? Is it too late to go all out to try to turn this season around? I can start pacing during games again. I don't have to restrict myself emotionally. <laughs> because of like, I'm right, they've been handed a bad uh, a bad hand here. No, nothing to couch. Everybody's available. Yeah, you're kind of starting all over on game 10, but everybody's available. No gas in the tank talk. Very exciting. Very exciting 24 hours that cuts to 30 minutes before tip-off. West Virginia announces that Raekwon Battle, doubtful, flu-like symptoms. (laughs) And he ended up not playing because, of course, he couldn't play. You know, no, it's not anything. I mean, what are you going to do? If you get sick, you get sick. You can't make it up that for nine games, he's he's fighting, going through the waiver process, the appeal process in a court in Wheeling on Wednesday. First opportunity to play and the guy gets sick. I mean, you can't make it up. You can't. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So... 
does Raekwon battle not playing this game? Is that the reason West Virginia loses? No, it's not. If you add Raekwon in, that's three new guys that you're putting into the mix. You're basically, it, it's got first game of the season vibes, even though you can't, <laughs> I, we, I'd love, I'd love to just snap and just take us back to zero and zero and this is our starting point. And it'd still be disappointing that you start the season 0-1, but you can't erase the first nine games. But it's it's already – it's a brand-new team, and there's going to be some feeling out of the guys playing together in a game that counts. They've been playing in practice together, but this is what counts. Uh, so that was working against them. But also, even with the new guys and without Raekwon – this team got bullied. UMass was the more aggressive team. And under the previous head coach for WVU, more often than not, those Mountaineer teams were the bully and not the one being bullied. And West Virginia is not the bully on the court this season. They are the one who gets bullied. And once again, West Virginia got bullied. And they, it shows up in rebounding. West Virginia got out-rebounded by 15. Couldn't finish at the rim. I mean, just time after time, you've got the ball close to the basket. And any kind of um, resistance is all you need. Just a little bit of resistance. West Virginia cannot finish over guys. Guards could not stay in front of anyone, especially in that first half where Eiler stuck with man-to-man for the most part. And, you know, that doesn't that doesn't all the way lead to an 18-point lead, but it's just time after time a UMass guy was getting past the WVU guard. And UMass's big guys were stronger than Jesse. They were stronger than a cook. They were stronger than Quinn. I mean, Jesse Edwards, who's been great, his first nine games, let it doesn't take away from how great Jesse Edwards has been for the first nine games of the season. And it doesn't matter who you are from the best player who have ever play, who's ever played down. Everybody can have a stinker game. And Jesse Edwards had his first stinker in the golden blue. And it was at, I would argue the worst parts, worst possible time to have your stinker game in the game with optimism and guys coming back. Jesse Edwards. I mean, he shot one for seven, two points, three rebounds, foul trouble for most of the game, injured his wrist, had it taped up late in the game. Couldn't finish over guys, missed an alley-oop dunk. Late, a guy got Jesse Edwards on the seal and finished over him. I mean, I'm not, not over him, but he got he got the post pass. Jesse was behind him and couldn't do anything about it. And one put UMass up five, and that basket pretty much put the game away. Jesse Edwards double digits in scoring in the first nine games and two points tonight in a game 
that's borderline must win. And we'll talk about what must win means at this point when you're four and six. Uh, the last time Western or the last time Jesse Edwards had a game like this was two seasons ago with Syracuse in a win over Boston College. He didn't score and he fractured his left wrist in that game and didn't play for the rest of the season. Now I'm not putting that on Jesse tonight. He came back in with a taped up wrist. It was his right wrist this time. So hopefully uh, the, I'm sure they're going to get an x-rayed and see what's going on. Hopefully everything is good and he can come back. But listen, even with everyone available, we can, we can ditch those gas in the tank discussions. West Virginia is still susceptible to getting pushed around. And Eilert pivoted in the second half and played that zone, the 2-3 zone, and that helped. They got some stops and was able to come back and, and turn that 18-point lead into they got it down to one. But the rebounding disparity gets worse when you play that zone. It, it was already rough, and late, UMass got key offensive rebounds out of, out, out of West Virginia playing zone, and it gave UMass a cushion when West Virginia was keeping it close. I mean, this was a one-point game with under four minutes left, and you just don't give yourself a chance when UMass is getting two or three chances on a possession by offensive rebounding. And so that's rough, and you lose this one, and it probably doesn't matter if Raekwon played or didn't play. The issues tonight were rebounding and defense. And so then it's like, what happened with the rotation? When you added Kerr, you added Noah. And so Eilert started Kerr, Kobe, Offrey, Quinn, and Jesse. So that was your starting five. No JoJo Harris. And tonight, three of the starters combined for two points. Those those two Jesse Edwards points were the only points between him, Offrey, and Kobe. Kobe and Offrey, 28 minutes. They took two shots, missed both of them. No points, one rebound, two assists. I mean, Offrey had a bunch of zeros in a stat line. And he played and he started. And I think like he the only stat was he got a foul. It it was not that's not great. Kerr, on the other hand, filled the stat sheet. I mean, we knew this after watching that exhibition game. Kerr makes the offense look better and look way different. Kerr had seven assists. Kerr shot 15 threes. His debut for the Mountaineers. And a lot of that was within the offense. He had a few that he forced in the second half when West Virginia was trying to keep it close. But the offense, even when he's pushing and forcing some shots, it looks so much better with Kirk Kreese out there. I mean, Seth Wilson goes from shooting horse shots to getting the ball step in threes. JoJo Harris, step in threes. Quinn Slazinski, step in threes. It's you look at the box score and you see 14 threes made by WVU. It's like, how did they do that? It's because Kirk Carissa played. I mean, Kerr made six of them, 
He assisted on five of the other threes. That's what he brings. He can drive and kick. And when it's that kind of offense and you've got a little bit of space, then the offense guys who you think can shoot, it looks, guess what? It it looks like they can shoot. Yeah, they had a couple of open misses. But for the most part, like it, it ain't a matter of them having space, of which was not the case in the first nine games. Rarely did a Mountaineer have space to to shoot a spot up three, and it just it it happens when you've got a guy like Kerr in the lineup. He drives, he kicks. That's amazing offense. And so that again, if they're going to lose. Let them lose like that, where they're not running offense for the sake of of keeping gas in the tank. They're just trying to get good shots, and Kerr can get you good shots. The backups were a Cook, Seth, JoJo, Noah, and nine second half minutes for Pat Sumnick. And he played a bunch because Jesse was in foul trouble. Quinn ended up in foul trouble. So Noah Farrakhan, who hasn't been on our radar, this is our first time we saw Noah Farrakhan. Let's subtract the eight points he made in garbage time. Yes, he was getting to the rim. No, it wasn't UMass's uh, normal defense with under a minute left. And it's garbage time because UMass made all their free throws, or most of them. But so subtract that last minute of the game. It's still impressive what you saw from Noah. Seven points, four assists, got a steal, only one turnover, made an open three. This guy, is he good at defense? Not sure. (laughs) Right? Don't know. It seems like when we get in the Big 12 play, he can be picked on because he's not not a big guy. But 6'1", he's fast. Similar to Kerr as far as offense, if it's just Noah being added, he can get by his man and get to the rim. And he, again, he had four assists. And he can get buckets. And that's that's been the glaring issue so far. I mean, there's been plenty of glaring issues. But one of them was anemic offense. And Noah Farrakhan, you don't watch him play and say that guy can't score. He can get buckets. And a and a cook played 22 minutes. So his minutes are rising. Only had two rebounds tonight. One of those guys who got out muscled, in my opinion. But good to see him play more. In theory, that's going to help Jesse and Quinn. And so adding those two guys, what do you, and uh what do you get here? You, you say goodbye to the Jeremiah Bembry minutes. Didn't see him tonight. Don't expect to see him the rest of the season. And and candidly, if the judge holds this uh, in place that you can't keep a guy from multi-transfers in his college career, if this season goes the way it's going and Eilert's not there, then Bembry may keep it moving. We may not see him again in a Mountaineer uniform. And so that's early to say that, but just want to give you the heads up there. So goodbye, Jeremiah Bembry minutes. If Raekwon, and most likely, if he's feeling better, he'll play Wednesday against Radford. 
one of two things is going to happen. He's either going to take Offrey's place in the starting lineup, and if he does that, I think that signals a phase out of Offrey's minutes. I mean, what do you? Why do you have Offrey in there? You have him in there because when he's in there, the ball's moving, and it helps the offense. But if he doesn't score, and you can't get rebounds from him, then why are you putting him out there? And again, Offrey's role was going to be more in the background with everybody available. So as much as we've liked some of the things we've seen from Offrey and knowing his limitations as a freshman, you get Raekwon, you get Kerr, and you get Noah, and those guys give you ball movement and give you life on offense. I think that means farewell to Offrey's minutes. Even though he got the start tonight. I don't know where his angle is, how you mix him in. Now, Harris is going to be interesting because if battle returns, do you keep Kobe in the starting lineup and you play battle Kerr and Kobe as the three guards? Or do you keep Harris at the three and, and put Raekwon in the starting lineup in place of Kobe? I mean, Harris led the team in rebounds tonight. So he's the glaring issue, rebounding. Harris does that for you. He definitely has a spot in this rotation. Does that get him a starting spot? Uh, he started in the second half. So I, Harris can be a starter and also know that we're going to see plenty of three-guard lineups. But if Heiler goes, if Heiler goes with Harris, what does that do for Kobe Johnson's role in the team? I mean, you see in one game, Seth's role change, and it looks more like last year. And you're getting Seth in the game, being the recipient of good drives by Kerr and Noah for spot-up threes. That totally makes sense, and I'm here for it. But when Kobe's on the floor, what do you, what do you want him in there for? Right? I mean, I'm asking. Yes, he's better at defense than probably he's probably the best defensive guard. But that's <laughs> with love and respect to the guys that that's not a high bar. I wouldn't describe Kobe as an elite defender. He's just better than everybody else. So if he's just better than the guys who are not good at defense, then why do you why do you put him in there if he's not elite defensively? So we need to watch where Kobe lands here because I have a soft I have a soft spot for Kobe Johnson. I love Kobe post-ups. I liked in the first nine games seeing his confidence grow. One game doesn't change that, but I'm concerned about how he fits now. And how Kobe fits ties into my only real Coach Eilert complaint tonight is that why is Seth Wilson – running point it it was only it was only a few possessions but if you've got Noah and you've got Kerr and you've got Kobe I would argue you should not have Seth Wilson running point I mean one of those Seth Wilson point possessions regard you know resulted in a in him turning the ball over it's just you've got all these guys that can create offense. And Seth creates offense, but not running point. It's not been great. 
so to then it's like, is that the Kobe role? Is like we we need a few minutes for the third point guard, and Kobe fills that role, and that's I guess similar to to a role that Kobe's played. Uh, so that's not great because you're just kind of shifting those guys back to roles that they've had in the past, and this is their third season. So that doesn't feel great to say that, but it, I, I have a feeling we might be going there. And so you've got all that, everyone's back, and now my concerns shift from gas in the tank and they've been dealt a bad hand to really the concerns I had when I thought everyone could play. How is this team going to defend? And I would have been on this from, from his first preseason press conference. How is this team going to rebound? And we don't have good answers to either one of those. And if those are the concerns, then the only way to combat that is be elite offensively. And the team of the first nine games was the opposite of elite, of elite offensively. What can this team do? with battle to get closer to elite offensively because they're not going to be stuck having a hard time getting to 60 now, but can they go, can they go to sniffing the eighties every game and throwing enough curve balls on defense to get stops? I mean, doesn't that sound like a John Beeline team? It definitely is not a Bob Huggins team, but this is a Josh Eilert team. And now we'll get to see in this small window, which is three non-conference games and 18 Big 12 games, we'll see how Eilert figures out the deficiencies of rebounding and defense. And really, I mean, toughness is a strong way to say this, but how do you defend how do you keep from getting bullied? <laughs> and Beeline's teams, they could get bullied, and they and they combated that with elite offense. That's how they that's how they got over on getting outmanned, out big boyed. So does Eilert have the manpower to do that? Unreasonable Doubt is under the Smoking Musket umbrella. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to SmokingMusket.com. And at the top of the page, there's a button for Discord. Hit that button. And when you do that, you get into a world of people who are WVU fans who talk about all things WVU sports. All these different channels with all of the different sports stuff out of sign of WVU, like-minded Mountaineer fans together talking about sports and other things. So go to smokingmusket.com, read the articles first, and then click that, or however you want to do it, click the Discord button and join the Discord and talk it up. Smoking Musket. We got 21 games and then the Big 12 tournament to find out. And so the next one for West Virginia is Wednesday, Morgantown, ESPN Plus, 7 p.m. Darius Nichols comes back to town with Radford. Did not play Radford last season. Two seasons ago in, in Nichols' first year at Radford, they came to Morgantown and got beat. 
Radford plays slow, really good at shooting the three. They sh- they're so far shooting 38% as a team from three. Undersized team. Like they, they've got a 6'10 guy, but outside of that, and he doesn't start, your biggest guys are 6'7 for Radford. They've played a lot of 300-plus Ken Palm teams. Um, listen, I this is crazy. I've told you. I've been alive for 43 years and never seen West Virginia be four and six. And yet I think about still, it's just, don't fault me for doing this. This is not pie in the sky. I realize what's happening. I'm telling you that I've never seen WVU have a record like this since I've been alive. And yet I think about how does this team get to the postseason? <laughs> and so at four and six, you've got to win the next three non-conference games. That means beat Radford, beat Toledo at home, and then go to Cleveland and beat a really good Ohio State team. And that's very difficult, but you can't go into the most difficult conference in the country with a losing record in your in your off in your out of conference schedule because those are going to that's the easiest it's going to be is your out of conference schedule and you start with Houston who is guess what this idea of being bullied around like Houston can't wait to bully West Virginia around and that's where it starts and you just go down the line of Big 12 teams and you look at all these teams like, I can't wait to bully WVU. They better they better shoot lights out against us because we can't wait to bully them. That's what you've got in front of you. But it starts with winning the next three for any semblance of a path to a postseason. And then <laughs> the toughest conference in America – you got to figure out how you get 10 wins or 11 wins in the toughest conference in America. I don't, I have a hard time finding that path and, and they'll put me out of my misery for the, for the postseason part of this season, hoping for that. If they lose one of these next three, and that will be in addition to the worst record they've had in my lifetime, it'll be the earliest I've written off the postseason on a podcast, before the podcast, ever. And that'll be sad. It, it's like you hate to write off the postseason and you've got eight, you got almost 20 games left. But it's what it is. And it doesn't take away from the fact that I like everyone involved with this team, the guys on the bench, for the reasons I've mentioned multiple times. So I'm going to enjoy it and I'm here for the ride. We're dangerously close. And that being said, Raekwon Battle, who could be the best player on the roster, his first game is going to come this week. And then we'll have a full picture. It'll be the third first game of the season versus Radford on on Wednesday when Battle gets to play. (sighs) And I'm not willing to write off the postseason yet. Call me delusion. Call me delusional. Call me what you will. 
That's it for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. Listen on all the platforms or just pick one. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, YouTube. Until next time, I'm Josh with WVU for the 2023-2024 season. They have four wins and they have six losses. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.